0: Welcome to episode 75 of the AppAdvice Weekly Podcast. I'm Brett Nolan of AppAdvice.net, and with me as always is Trevor Sheridan of AppAdvice. In this episode, Trevor and I put the pedal to the metal and dig down deep as we explore an ancient castle and
1: attempt to avoid swirling cosmos and a very creepy neighbor. How you doing tonight, Trevor doing good this sounds like a fun-filled episode we got to dig deep for all kinds of crazy circumstances and experiences
0: yeah it's it was a it's been a, a lot of really weird and interesting mix
1: of titles and games that have come out over the past few weeks and so before we get there we did want to talk about the new MacBook Pros so on July 12th Apple essentially silently launched new MacBook Pros. It didn't take a special event. It was just a press release. Here you go. And I guess it's mainly because it's just a performance enhancement for the 13-inch and 15-inch MacBook Pros with Touch Bar. So there's quite a few changes under the hood between the 2018 and the 2017 models. The obvious Changes that Apple's using eighth generation Intel core processors known as Coffee Lake. They were first introduced in October 2017. Now Apple's been able to roll them out in their devices. And Apple claims that that allows up to 70% faster performance on the 15 inch model and up to two times faster performance on the 13 inch model year over year. But then Geekbench, they're doing their own kind of back end benchmark testing and they found that. On double core process or multi core processing, there's a 45 percent increase for the 15 inch model, and then for the 13 inch model, there's an 81 to 86 percent increase. So this is the biggest year over year gain since 2011. So Apple really emphasized performance enhancements for this update.
0: Right. And with performance numbers like that, you wonder why they just did this really super quiet launch. You would think they'd want some fanfare behind this so people know, hey, look, our computers are this much faster now, If you and at the same price as before, go ahead and buy them. Like, I, I don't understand why they do these little quiet launches for stuff like this when the numbers are really impressive
1: for the improvements that they were able to make. Yeah, this is one of their best computer updates, but it seems like they wanted to get them out for June or for July for the back to school kind of shopping period, rather than wait till the iPhone event in September, because that's going to be jam packed as it is.
0: Right, but it, there was very little fanfare even with this launch. So they they could have even just done a little bit more to announce these, or I I don't know. It just seems like they kind of just shoved them. Quietly, I don't know if it's because of like they they fixed the keyboard issues that were that people had with the the last version, and then there were tear parts that proved that it was like fixed, even though they never admitted there was a problem there. So I don't know if they were just nervous about backlash about certain aspects of it, and that's why they kind of did it so quietly. It just doesn't seem to make any sense.
1: Yeah, the keyboard is probably. The biggest concern, just because, you know, there's building class action lawsuits from the 2016 and 2017 models, so this year they're going with our new third generation keyboard for quieter typing. That's all they listed it as. But then, like you said, the teardowns reveal they now have these little silicon pockets below each key, because previously pieces of dust, essentially little tiny pieces of dust would get into the keyboard, and it would cause keys to become unresponsive. So... They call it this new quieter keyboard, but essentially they fixed that problem. But they, again, don't want to make a big deal about it because then it would admit that there's a problem on the older model. So it's a tough balancing act.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I, mean, I guess they trade off the the big announcements to try to kind of brush things out quietly. I don't know, but it is a very impressive uh, specs and lineup. That if you're have been waiting for a new MacBook, now might be the time to jump on this Pro and get these major performance hikes from the previous models.
1: Yeah. So the resolution's the same, but Apple also added True Tone display to the MacBook Pro and then they also let the 15-inch model have up to 32 gigabytes of RAM which was a much requested feature on the 2017 edition and then the 2013 gets the DDR4 memory which wasn't previously available as well as quad-core chips so the 13-inch is really a big boost it's now kind of on par performance wise with the 2017 15-inch so really if you're in the market for any kind of productivity laptop Apple kind of, it took a couple years, you know, because they went with the new design in 2016. It's taken a couple of refreshes, but now this is kind of the computer they've been building towards. Yep. And then it's also worth noting that the MacBook Pro without the touch bar wasn't updated at all. It's the same version as existed. So if you do want these improvements, you need the touch bar version. And 13-inch starts at 17 99 15-inch starts at 23 99
0: Yeah, I guess that's how they're going to force people to buy those (laughs) touch bar models by not even doing anything with the old model. I don't know. It just seems like the touch bar had all this promise and they never did anything with it. And now people still have to pay the extra cost for this thing, even though they're likely not to get much use out of it.
1: Yeah, it's essentially a $300 premium for the touch bar without really any features in macOS Mojave that take advantage of the touch bar or push it forward for developers to jump on board. So it's just their forced premium. Yep. And so that's pretty much the Apple news of the week. If you're in the market for a computer, back to school, or just need a new pro computer, there's now that choice, and that means it's time for some games to play on your iOS devices. (laughs) And the first game this week is Asphalt 9 Legends. And... We've talked about Asphalt Games in the past, but it seems like a long time since we've talked about any game from Gameloft, so that's a nice change of pace. And if you aren't familiar with the series, it's Gameloft's arcade racing franchise. And essentially, Asphalt 9, it has the usual improvements graphic-wise. It has all new career game modes. But it seems like the biggest change is this new touch-driving mode that is made to be as accessible as possible, but... On the flip side, it also makes it as watered down as possible, essentially turning the game into like an endless runner style where you swipe to change lanes, you tap on a button to drift, you tap on a button to use nitro, the car drives and steers automatically. It takes all that out of the way, so you really don't do much. It's that style we've seen in free-to-play games and strategy, you know, where you just tap to activate special moves, but now in the form of a racing game.
0: Right. Well, what we should say is this is an optional mode. You yeah. can turn it off and on uh, and get default. back to the clutch. <laughs> right. It is the <laughs> default. But then you can turn it off. And But I think it's a, a nice way to get people just to ease them in because it pulls more people into this game that maybe they didn't play before. Maybe they found it too tough before. I mean, it's been five years since or just about five years since we've had a brand new Asphalt game and I think it's an interesting approach and I, I didn't really mind it. Yes, it makes things super easy and that's a great analogy of calling it like an endless runner because it does have that same sort of style where you have to do very little and it kind of almost runs for you and even if you do nothing you're still going to ride down the track just fine. But at least it gives like another option of controls for someone that maybe doesn't like to have to do the actual steering or any of that kind of stuff on their own, I didn't really mind it. I thought it was an interesting approach. I will, I, I tried that out. I'll probably switch to the tap to to move controls instead. I'm not not a fan of the tilt. It does doesn't offer enough uh, fidelity for me. But the you still have that classic touch controls.
1: Yeah, that's. I wish they would give you the option where it's touch based steering it's not just the tilt based steering but even so there is oh, I just saw the tilt based
0: you have to go they when they show you how to turn off the touch drive they only show you the um the tilt based but you can uh go into the actual settings and i believe in there is where you can access the the tap to steer
1: it's amazing how much they bury this stuff i know <laughs> yes so they default to give you no control whatsoever and then you have to dive into settings to then even get rid of tilt steering which is really interesting
0: yeah yeah they make it tough to get the good steering
1: (laughs) and so regardless of how you control it the game it takes what asphalt 8 airborne did and really just amplifies it in every way with all new 50 new cars to collect 70 new tracks to collect all the tracks seem more focused where You know, the previous games you'd have like this three lap race. Now they all kind of seem one lap. It's a quick A to B sprint. And so you really can't have much time messing up, crashing. You need to focus on drifting to build up your nitro, launching off ramps to build up your nitro, and then using it to just get to that finish line as fast as possible because they've really designed the game with on the go gaming in mind. Yeah,
0: I I I do like how the game the matches are much quicker now. I and I love the the whole almost like a burnout paradise style when you crash when the other cars hit you and they just like blow to pieces around you and then you continue on and you kind of just force them off the track. It there's just something super satisfying about that as you're going around. And it is an understatement to say that the graphics on this newest edition look absolutely gorgeous and phenomenal like it is unbelievable how well this thing runs with the graphic quality that they have on the screen it doesn't seem to stutter it doesn't seem to pause at all except for those purposeful pauses of slow motion as you take out the other cars everything seems to move smoothly and quickly
1: yeah and if you're a fan of arcade racing games this is simply the best arcade racing experience on ios and like you said, the game is absolutely gorgeous. And the benefit for me with arcade racing is that you don't have to worry about braking or momentum around curves or potentially spinning out. You just jam forward. You're getting to the finish line. You, The only thing you care about is actually going faster with the nitro boost. You never have to worry about slowing down or any of that. It's just nonstop, fast-paced action, smashing into other cars, flipping, flying through the air. And then the new courses... They are collapsible as you go along. You know, there might be a tornado or a rock slide. Just the courses react, and there's also forking pathways that can kind of determine if you win or lose, too
0: right and the nice thing about that touch drive is it does help you kind of learn the courses and see what options you do have for which way to go if you use that first you can see how the whole course breaks down and then you could switch over to like the tap to steer or if you like the tilt to steer you could do that and then see those various forking pathways and know when they're coming up and kind of figure out your best path on how to win these races
1: And then the game is free to play as you would expect. And then each one of your cars has its own gas tank. The gas tank is essentially out of five. So it's five races. But you can then switch your car out. So say you race your car, you have empty gas tank. You can then go to another car and keep racing. So it's not that limited. And then you can also accelerate the unlocking of cars. But if you play through the career mode, it seems like each little section that you play through will unlock a complete blueprint of a car so you always have new cars to get to new things to strive for and you don't have to be kind of caught up in really the free to play unless you want to
0: Right, yeah, I do like how they've, at least in the, how much I've played thus far, you don't seem to really be limited. Because you'll level up and it'll refuel all the cars you own. And then even there's races where it tells you that maybe your car hasn't been upgraded enough to, and so you may not win the race. But I found that even if you're like 70 points short or even 100 points short of what they say you need to have for the car level... You can still do well and still likely win, especially if you're using that that uh, touch drive control. Uh, it doesn't seem to force you to upgrade just to pass the course or just to win the race. It, it is. It seems to be pretty forgiving and allow you to take your time to do that. Even though it's it's very free flowing with the currency, the free currency at least uh, for upgrading and and doing those little upgrades over time.
1: So that's Asphalt 9 Legends. It's free, it's universal, and if, like I said, if you're a fan of arcade racing, you're going to be right at home with Asphalt 9. Yep. And then there's Hello Neighbor, which is ported over from consoles and Steam, and essentially it's a a stealth-based horror game where you have this creepy neighbor, and you play as a little kid who kind of is coming by. He accidentally stumbles upon the house and there's these weird screams from within so he wants to investigate and figure out what's going on but obviously your creepy neighbor isn't going to let you just explore the house so you have to sneak around try to find an entrance to the house where he doesn't see you or have him chase you out of the house and then circle back around to go in the house and then you're going to just try to kind of figure your way out to find the key to unlock certain doors and Find out what is actually going on in this guy's creepy house, and if he ever catches you, you have to essentially restart from outside the house. Though after a couple times, you're kind of captured in this like basement essentially, and you can sneak your way out back to like and kind of restart it. But the main idea is to have this constant fear that you're going to be caught as you're kind of snooping around this guy's house, and then also it's really interesting that the game says that it's adaptive ai where essentially your bad neighbor is gonna figure out how you say you go in the front door every time he'll then put in cameras to identify you say you try to sneak in the back every time he'll put in a bear trap or something i didn't discover that in my playthroughs but it's a really neat idea yeah yeah i didn't i didn't see that either i don't know if that's just if you unlock
0: the full game and maybe in this first little level they don't they they a the little more forgiving and let you have a chance i did find it very difficult to to succeed and even the so this is from all from like a first person point of view that you're running around this house and you could tell they tried to adapt it from like a a pc or or xbox it, it's pretty obvious right when you start playing and what happens is you have over on the left side of the screen you can move with like a virtual controls to move forward and backward and stuff and then over on the right side of the screen you can kind of adjust the camera angle and then when you get close to an object that you're supposed to be able to interact with you can either supposedly just tap the object or you have buttons that'll kind of appear that you can press to interact with it. The problem is you really have to be Right at the perfect angle or or whatever in order to just activate it and tap it. Which is quite awkward when you're trying to control on an iPad. I can understand with a joystick this would actually probably work really well. But it just felt awkward to move around. And I think that was part of the reason I struggled so much. Not just that the game was kind of difficult. But more that you're fighting against controls that shouldn't really be the controls. It's just they tried to adapt it for mobile:
1: Yeah, I think the main problem is that you have to point the camera at you what you want to pick up, so rather than getting close and then you know pressing an on-screen button and you pick some up, you have to adjust your angle so that little white center dot is hovering over what you want to tap on to interact, and that is tough to do when there's any kind of frantic. Portions like when the guy's chasing you down like say you run into his house and you want to dive into a closet or under the bed you have to get to the spot and then readjust the camera angle so it's just right and then the little button activates that you can actually interact with and it it's not easy to pull off when fast action is required right it's enough to slow you down and
0: i mean this comes from tiny Build, who are like the same people that published party hard which i I absolutely loved and I thought that was just a much better stealth game. Uh, I guess you could call it horror. You were a, a serial killer. I, I just felt it worked better in that game just because it was that top-down view and you weren't trying to put what really belongs in a console or on a PC onto a mobile device. That one felt perfectly suited for mobile the controls worked perfectly on mobile i just thought it was a better translation of a game than this ended up being
1: yeah i wanted to like this game and it's just i think it was the controls aren't perfect and then also just the structure of the game where it's not exactly clear where the checkpoints are and it's also not always obvious how the neighbor is just going to interact. I think one of the most discouraging parts is that you can pick up a box in the backyard and then there's like this little opening in his shed or whatever and it's so difficult to put the box into position, jump on the box and then jump in through that hole and then while you're messing around back there you kind of forget that the neighbor is there and then he all of a sudden he comes out and you lose. So just even that simple of a aspect kind of Discourages you from continuing, or then you dive into the house. You're in a wardrobe for a while. You come out, and it seems like every door's locked. That key that was in place in the little opening cutscene, you can't seem to find it in the given room that's there. And I don't know. I just, I all the little pieces kind of added up to discouraging you from playing, especially because to unlock the full game, it's fourteen ninety nine. So it's free to download to try. And then that first try and experience isn't super engaging. It's kind of frustrating. It's a real tough sell for fifteen dollars,
0: right? Yeah, I think they either need to support external controllers, but even then, they're not going to you're not going to sell a ton of copies because not everyone even has the controller, or they need to find a way to completely change the controls so they make sense on a mobile device it just doesn't work the way it is and like you i got super frustrated that i couldn't even pull off the simplest things and you're so focused on even just trying to do the simple little thing that you don't even realize that he's coming up behind you then all of a sudden he plays that creepy music it gets all dark and then you're outside again and you gotta start all over again so I found it more frustrating than fun. I, I did want to like this. I've seen this one at PAX East when they've been shown off in their giant uh tiny build uh, booth. And I think they might have even had like a, a VR version of it, which that seemed like it would be the best way to experience this game because it would creep you out to no end that you're running around this thing and this guy could pop out anywhere around you. But uh for mobile, it just doesn't work.
1: Yeah, the premise, the theme for VR sounds really good because even for the part that we played, there's that nice horror idea where you can see your blood pressure rises as, you know, your skin kind of crawls where the guy's creeping up on you or, you know, you always have to make sure you're taking a look behind you or around that he's not creeping up on you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so that's Hello Neighbor, it's free, it's universal and again it's 14.99 to unlock the entire game. And then there's Hold Down, which is an interesting kind of like inverse breakout style game or brick breaker game where instead of vertically where you have that set assortment of bricks to break you then have these shapes and you're kind of digging down the idea is that like you're mining on an asteroid and then each shape you have to hit a certain number of times it starts out you know just one or two and then as you dig deeper it's 20 or 30 times and then all you have to do is drag your finger to aim your shot and then you shoot out multiple little balls as you dig deeper you can shoot out more balls at once but it starts with two you know you have three and so if you can get a ricochet going, the balls keep bouncing continuously until they go back upwards towards the top of the screen. So if you can get them below that first wave and then below the line of blocks, you can really get some good ricochet action and clear some blocks out. And really, if you like any of that kind of skill shot, strategy, aiming type of puzzle action game, that's where Hold Down excels.
0: Yeah, I love it, though, the, just the level design. is re- It's all randomized every time you go in. So you could end up getting, like, some uh starting setup, which is impossible to beat, and so then you just have to start over again after you lose. But the nice thing is those blocks that you're trying to, to knock out, they're almost like Tetris kind of shapes. They're polyominoes where they're kind of a rough, weird, odd shape. So there's lots of little points and angles on them that can cause all these crazy bumps and you can try to plan out exactly how things are going to bump off one of them and hit another and some of the blocks you have to remove they won't remove other uh, if they go past the top so every time it moves up like one layer if you don't after you shoot out however many balls you have and if it crosses this threshold at the top if any block does then you lose and you have to start over but some of the blocks they're forced you have to remove them other blocks that if you remove whatever's underneath it, they'll disappear and go away. So if you, you don't even necessarily have to remove all of the blocks, you just have to remove the the linchpin type blocks that are holding things in place and any ones that are that are there that won't otherwise get removed if the ones below them get removed so there's a lot of this strategy as you try to plan out exactly where you're going to shoot and then you start at the top from kind of where the last ball went out so you may not always be at the perfect angle so sometimes you have to blow one of your shots in order to uh get yourself lined up for a future shot and so like the first time through you'll get a limited number of attempts so you you have a certain number of balls you're shooting out each time but you also have a certain number of shots you're allowed but it has like the game has this whole roguelike element to it where each time you lose and die you've collected these little crystals and you can trade them in for permanent upgrades so now they'll either let you start with more balls in your hopper to shoot out at a time or maybe you can hold more balls or you can hold more crystals or you can uh, unlock new areas new planets to to attempt but each new planet is harder and harder but by the end you've got like you're shooting out like 35 balls at a time there's blocks that need 235 hits in order to remove them you're like how is this ever going to happen but if you land those nice little combos of things just ricocheting all over the place, you see these blocks kind of just count down super fast and then erase and you just get this great feeling as things just blow up all over the place and you have all these kind of chain reaction of things going down as the balls just bounce around down there. And you, it, it takes a while to go through and as you level up, but the more you level up, the easier it'll be even on the earlier levels and then you can even go back and get high scores on the early levels once you've really leveled up.
1: Yeah that upgrade system keeps you coming back for more where you can unlock more potential balls per shot or more total shots or of course unlocking new planets. So you start out with the asteroid and then you can unlock entirely new rate regions to amplify the challenge of the game. So you always have something to strive for. You know, it's not just like an endless arcade high score challenge so once you're going for all those different things to aim for it makes every shot that much more important you know you are collecting the crystals along the way and then you have those screwed in pieces where you need to clear those before they reach the top like you said but then also if you clear a piece down and all everything above it that's not screwed in will also disappear so you can pull off kind of big clears in that way so there's a lot of different ways to kind of strategize each side to keep sure that the board is clear and you keep digging for as long as you can.
0: Yeah, I'm up to the the last planet, and it is insanely difficult to be, and I'm almost fully leveled up at this point. So even once you level everything up, it's not a, a cakewalk to finish this game. So And and it comes from the developer of both Twofold Inc. and Rim's Castle. If you... You heard us talk about those games. We both love those games as well. Uh, And this fits perfectly in their catalog of really innovative puzzle games. They're just super addictive. And this one I kept on coming back to all week long.
1: That's a good reminder. If you never downloaded Rimmed Capsule or Two-Fold Ink, go back and download those too. Because these guys, they're just making some amazing games for iOS. Yep. And so this is Hold Down, it's 3.99. it's universal. And then there's Super Starfish, which is a kind of like an endless vertical game where you c- control this little starfish, and all you do is drag your finger on the bottom of the screen left and right, and you try to collect stars and avoid these floating, essentially planets, orbs, whatever you want to call them, and try to make it as high as you can. As you collect stars, you also need to collect shells. That unlocks the prize kano, where you can unlock new starfish and more shells for more unlocking but no matter what you do it's the endless vertical challenge that you've seen before with this simple back and forth left and right dragging your finger
0: yeah, I, this one's getting a lot of praise, and I just don't understand why. It seems very derivative of other things. It does have a nice art style, and with these glowing like starfish, you're in space, and it, it's kind of ethereal with the, the weird planets going by. Some of them are like connected, which is kind of odd, and you have to kind of swim between the two of them. I don't know. It, to me, it's not one I'm going to be playing a, a lot and I kind of got bored of it pretty quickly. I immediately kept on going back to Hold Down instead, but I guess if you like this game, this type of game, it's it's pretty to look at, and I, I guess if you like the theme, you'd probably enjoy it.
1: Yeah, I saw the same praise as you, so I'm like, okay, there's going to be something else that happens, right? I, I've played a certain number of times. Once I unlock other starfish, it's going to do something. It's going to change. I even thought... There might be an upgrade system like Holdown where I'll unlock new regions, new areas that will subtly change the gameplay, and that's simply not the case. No matter how many times you play and how many ways you play, it still equates to the same experience.
0: Yeah. yeah I mean, they, the slight changes in the, the things you have to avoid, but they still seem to behave the same. They don't really behave any differently. I I don't know. I don't understand what the the, the big deal is here, but... To me, it was just kind of meh.
1: Yep, another Vertical Endless game. And really not... We've seen more complex versions of this style of game, too. Yeah, yeah. I I don't... I, I
0: thought it would do something... I Like you, I only played more of it because I thought there was something innovative or different that I just didn't see yet. And I think you're better off... Sticking with whatever you have already in the genre, although it is free, so it it doesn't hurt you to try it. But I don't go in expecting something crazy and different.
1: Yep, so that's Super Starfish. It's free, it's universal. And then to round out this week is The Eyes of Ara, which is a 3D puzzle adventure game inspired by The Room. You've heard that a lot lately. It's really... It's surprisingly how trendy it is. Like, you know, when we saw a bunch of clones of Flappy Bird, that's a really simple 2D, easy game to mass produce. But The Room is a really complex creation of tactile interaction and 3D world design. To see so many games of this style is really interesting. And I'm definitely not complaining. So with The Eyes of Aura, it's... That classic style that you've played where you go from room to room and you try to interact with different elements, piece them together, get puzzle pieces here, put them over here, and see how it all fits together. And in this case, it's this old abandoned castle on this island that you're called to by this weird radio distress signal, and that leads you into this whole going, moving through the castle bit by bit as you solve all the intricate little puzzles.
0: Yeah, I I thought I really liked the puzzle design in this because it forces you to really navigate through the castle and find the different areas were parts of like, you might find part of one of the puzzles over here and then another part of the puzzle over another area. And it really forced you to kind of go around, even go back into areas where you might've been that you might've missed something. And then something might just click, and you're like, Oh yeah, I need to do this and that'll get me this. And then I can continue on through the story. This is, I believe this was a port of a 2016 like steam game and Unlike, uh, whatchamacallit, that we just talked about before, uh, Hello Neighbor, oh, yeah. this is, like, feels perfectly at home on mobile. Like, it's, the controls work so well, it just feels natural to be touching the, the various things, navigating by walk, tapping to walk through the, the, the area, and... It just works perfectly on mobile. It it feels like it was made for mobile. It doesn't feel like a port. It doesn't have like any of these trappings that we sometimes see when games come over from the PC where they use like a menu system that was kind of very indicative of a PC title. No, this feels like it was made for mobile and is perfectly at home. If you like these kind of 3D puzzle adventure type games, I think you're really gonna like this. I mean, the graphically looks phenomenal, and it just is everything you could ask for in
1: one of these
0: uh, 3D puzzle games.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. I might want more story development. That's kind of one thing where they're a little lacking. But also, I don't know if you saw, but with the room, it seems like it's more is already pre-rendered. So this game, it seems like every time you move anywhere, even from like a half of a room over to a cell next to it, there's a loading screen. There's a, you know, it it just kind of breaks the continuous flow of a game like the room.
0: I did notice that. Yeah, yeah, I did. I think there could be some kind of code performance things that they could do to try to improve it, to have those faster load times or maybe preload things instead. Uh, but yeah, I did notice that as well.
1: Yeah, and so that's kind of the only real limitation because, like you said, if you like this style of game, the 3D puzzle adventure, it built on the point-and-click elements and really builds it out into 3D, you're going to be right at home. I mean, we saw the Birdcage, you know, it's a really simplified version, but it it's built on those tactile puzzles. House of Da Vinci was really good. It had more of a storyline going. There was also Returner 77. That's a good like more sci-fi based but these 3D puzzle adventure games are just really nailing iOS platform right now.
0: Yeah, and it's great that you can have a title like this that was on the PC, now if you don't have a, you don't play games on a PC, now you have access to another great title that's out there. I I like when people do a good job of bringing them over because then you really get the experience but on your mobile device and it allows you to play these games you may not otherwise have been able to play
1: and this style is just made for touch it's just at home where you want to tap directly on things you want to interact with yep and so that's the eyes of aura it's 499 it's universal and i think that's everything for episode 75 yep that's all i got to everyone listening we hope you enjoyed and we'll talk to you next time talk to you later